Okay. I am recording. Wait, no, I am not recording. I Neither am I. I can't just say words. Uh, no, I went and hit record and then audition was like, fuck you are. I have <laughs> things to say. <laughs> Definitely going to add that in, in the at least the back end of the episode, if not the front. <laughs> All right. Now I'm recording. I, too, am now truthfully recording. <laughs> we both simultaneously were like, wait. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. We're fucking up. You walk into the comic shop and you melt as the air conditioning rains over you like a soft blanket when you come in from playing in the snow. You walk over to the shelf and pick up your favorite comic, Cape Chronicles. On the cover... Quasi-Raptor, running through a hallway, shadows chasing him, and a voice bubble shouting, Help! Quasi! A concerned look is on our favorite Velociraptor face. This issue, Fractured, Part 3. Quasi, it's been a couple weeks since the incident at the rave, and you haven't seen Remix, you haven't seen Royale, you've barely seen Falcon Girl and Rapid Falcon. Um, Quasi when, misses his friends. Yeah. Uh, when you got home that night after uh, Remix helped you and Royale was kind of groggy in the uh, returning you to... Uh, the base. Uh, you paced around for a while. Nobody was there. It was just you. And the last thing we see of that is Quasi curling up in his little uh, carved out section that he's made of uh, what appears to be a facsimile of something. Uh, the next day you wake up to hear Falcon Girl and Rapid Falcon shouting about something. And your first instinct is to, you know, try and go see what's going on. But you have like a sense memory come up and it freezes you in place. Um. Quasi, do you remember anything about what uh, Dr. Terry was arguing with a strange man that you really never really saw, only heard about back when you were uh, at the facility? Not not specific, uh, not specific like what they were, just mostly the tone of voice. Um I, I think this is probably back when like Quasi's like grasp of language was not as proficient as it is even now. Um, so like he can glean meaning and, but mostly tone back then. And how is this tone making you feel like you like this, this tone feels, you know, it's definitely a harsh one. And a lot of the harshness is coming from, the man, not so much Dr. Terry. Um, confused and concerned, 
because quasi ever striving to understand the things around him. This is something he's not experienced before. Um, something abnormal. Um, something that he can sense may be about him, um, though he, he has really no way of knowing that for sure. Um, so it's it's that kind of anxiety of something's happening and I don't think it's good and I don't know what it means. And how does Quasi show that in his, you know, relatively early development days? I think the the plumage on his head goes goes back and flat against his uh, flat against his spine in the back of his head, and um, he he like listening, keeping his head like down, um, almost uh, in a like tentative kind of cautious. Um, almost like afraid kind of stance just because this is something that is new and he doesn't know what it means and he doesn't know what it might lead to. Yeah. So quasi you hear the footsteps of one of the people start shuffling off and uh, then you see uh, Dr. Terry come back into the uh, room and sees you with your, you know, plumage down and everything. How does Miss Terry usually uh, comfort you? Um, hmm. Almost, almost the way you would comfort a child, um, which is distinctly different than how one might like comfort a pet. You know. Yeah. So she like comes over and you know, she kind of gives you like a gentle like hug and is like crouching down to be about your level, which really at this point in your development, uh, isn't that much of a crouch, just more like a, almost a stooping down and, you know, wraps her arms around you and just says, shh, shh, shh. it's okay. Claw. It's okay. Quasi like lean, leans into her embrace. Yeah. And so, you're shook out of that when you hear a door slam. You're expecting to hear, to see Rapid Falcon or Falcon Girl uh, come walk by. Uh, neither of them do. Over the next couple weeks, you barely see Falcon Girl. I don't think you even see Rapid Falcon. Hmm. It's just Quasi a lot of the time alone. Uh, how's Quasi spending his time? Um, I think uh, Quasi will kind of, like, continue, like, doing what he had been doing, which was, like, slowly creating this, like, mock-up of this place from his memory um, in an attempt to, you know, pull those memories to the forefront so that he can examine them with new understanding that he didn't have at the time. Um, so he's continuing to do that and with, with more and more elaborate, uh, recreations, um, down to like mock-ups of like the tests that they would do to test his development and his intelligence, um, you know, kind of creating like what were, block towers that were color-coded back at the lab he's 
kind of recreating with random objects that he can find around the base, um, stuff like that. Um, and, uh, not only like doing that, but like also like running through those exercises that were ingrained into him for that time, um, which are now trivial, um, uh, trivial to him to do. And I think as time goes on and he see, doesn't see, um, anyone else around, I think he begins to get more curious and I think he gets to, uh, begins like pushing his boundaries outward, um, exploring other parts of the, the base that he hasn't normally been to. Um, and even potentially like going out, uh, and in amongst the grounds and surrounding area. Yeah. And as you've started exploring, uh, you actually can start remembering a little bit more about your escape, the beginning of it. And how did, how did the beginning start? Well, I think it was, it was, uh, Dr. Terry letting me out of my containment. You realize as you're starting one day to walk outside and explore this base that the path you're taking is one that Miss Terry had let you out of. You know, you've started pushing your boundaries, seeing what you can do and where you can go around this base. You know, subconsciously, that's kind of clicked the memory of Miss Terry alarms going off, her coming up and punching the code into your cell. To let you out and she says Claw, you've 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 got to get out of here um, there's been a problem on another side of the facility this is this is your chance to get out of here you're not meant for this miss terry come with claw i can't i can't let them know that i'm who let you out because if i do bad things will happen but i will find you i promise um there's a moment where Quasi is very clearly thinking, processing that. You know the punishment room? Miss Terry will have to go to the punishment room. Um, the, the plumage on his head falls flat at that. And Quasi nods. Quasi will go. And so you start remembering that. And you're winding your way through the path that you took. And you remember, you remember there was somebody who ended up meeting up with you as you were running out. It's hard to say in the moment that you were uh, escaping. You came out of one door as you reach the outside at uh, the base, and almost exactly where the other exit is from, like, the living areas for Rapid Falcon and Falcon Girl... Uh, of your base here there was another exit and out of that door popped someone who was in just like a red shirt black pants almost like you know designated sleepwear and the two of you run out i think you look at them and you have this sense of mutual understanding mm-hmm. you know, there are some searchlights going and about Ten yards off uh, from these doors, there is a tall chain-link fence. What do you do? Um, I think I'm... I think I'm barreling towards that chain-link fence. 
mm-hmm. I'm going to leap, but not, my intention is not to clear the fence. My intention is to throw all of my weight at the very top of the fence to bring it down. Um, because I kind of rationalize in that moment that if I can open a path for this other person who's on the run, then it will increase the chances of both of our survival. Absolutely. Uh, go ahead and uh, give me a uh, unleash your powers roll. Sure. Um, would this uh, could this also be unstoppable? Absolutely. This definitely fall under unstoppable. Cool. Um, how do I play this game? <laughs> uh, it has been a minute. It has been. So I am. This is D6s, right? <laughs> yeah, it's a. Uh, it uses a somewhat okay Central Ohio nerdcore band to play. Got it. <laughs> They're pretty okay, I guess. <laughs> all right. So then, all right. TD6. Um, would I be rolling? Um, do this... you have your your, your sheet? Uh, should say on uh, unstoppable. What you would be rolling? Unstoppable. There it is. Um, oh, plus danger. Uh, okay. Two d six. My danger is plus two. Uh, so that is going to be a six. Um, so unstoppable means that on a seven to nine, uh, I I mark a condition, leave something behind. On a miss, I smash through, but I leave devastation in my wake or wind up somewhere worse. GM's choice. Well, here's the thing: you've never been outside of this fence before, and so. You know, we all know in this memory that you were able to get away. And I think that you might have thought that this person who was going to, this person who came out might stick with you for a little while since you were both uh, leaving. But you kind of see that they're just like, as you're coming down with this fence, they just kind of almost run up your back and jump off of you. And mm-hmm. they start running in Yabba-dabba-doo. a completely different direction. <laughs> yeah. Nice. But yeah, they start running off in a completely different direction from where you start scampering your way to. But as you're cross, as you start to get to that threshold and you're walking outside of the base, you get to where the equivalent of that fence would be. I think you feel your communication harness, it starts shocking you. Mm. So you kind of like jump back. Quasi, I don't know if he knows this or not, but I think what's happening here is they've effectively got an invisible fence collar on you to make sure that you don't like run off. Mm -hmm. That's kind of built into your uh, communication device. Mm -hmm. I think, I think this is this is the first time Quasi has realized that that's even there. Yeah, and there's no reason why you would have, because any time you've left the facility otherwise, you've been with someone who either would have been able to deactivate it themselves, or Rapid Falcon would know that you would uh, be leaving, so he deactivated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Quasi is going to, to he stops. Um, like, and when this happens, I think he startles, uh, which, like, 
I imagine it's the thing where it's uh it's like high voltage but low amperage so it hurts but it doesn't actually like deal me damage it's not lethal yeah you know um so i think i startle more than anything and then you know kind of take a couple hops back until it stops and mm. i think quasi just stands there for probably like a protracted amount of time just processing what just happened until he's confident he knows okay this must be the situation um and then he'll probably just Almost a little bit sad to kind of like just start heading back to the base. Yeah. And I think it's another couple days like this. You start like remembering back to different things at uh, the base uh, from the base as you're, you know, further expanding your knowledge of, you know, what happened. You're processing that. And I think maybe you're processing some of the you know, interactions that you've had with some of the rest of the team. Mm-hmm. And thinking back to, you know, kind of the early days when Rapid Falcon, you know, found you and brought you in. And it was, you kind of see some parallels there, I believe, I think, from how you were kept at the facility to how things are now. Tell me about when uh, Rapid Falcon discovered Quasi. Yeah, um, I think he was responding to a threat um, like any other. You know, superhero gets a call that there's a rampaging monster on the loose. Um, And I think that's as simple as it was. uh, Because Quasi, his newfound freedom, him basically just running um, from the the people who held him captive, not understanding the world, being perceived as a dangerous threat um, by anyone who saw him. This is probably around the time where the newspaper coined him, you know, quasi-raptor. Some reporter thought he was clever. Um, mm. You know, the the dangerous dinosaur cryptid, you know, stalking the, <laughs> the nearby woods of Halcyon City. Um and I think uh, after one too many run-ins with with campers and you know jumping out in front of cars and causing accidents and you know getting spotted in populated areas, I think uh, Rapid Falcon was one of the the superhero called in to basically take me down. Um, and I think upon cornering me, he realized that I wasn't malicious i was just lost and confused yeah and i think that you know in the early days of you know once he brought you to uh his base uh it was almost a comfort to you because while it wasn't like the super high tech uh cage with like the pin pad he did have you sleeping in a much smaller area, kind of a like a makeshift. It was definitely a cage, but mm-hmm. it didn't have like the thick bars. It was uh, almost more resembled like a homemade giant raptor size uh, dog bed. Right. And 
you know, as he learned more about you, I think, you know, that's when it discovered, like, okay, let's, let's actually just get this, uh, get this guy into just some kind of normal sleeping, uh, arrangement. Yeah. Well, I think, like, it probably would have stood to reason that, you know, Rapid Falcon's first assumption what probably could have been probably was that I was a human horribly transformed by some experiment of my own doing or someone else's. And it was probably only after piecing together my origins that did realize that, no, I'm my own kind of genetically unique creature, you know designed to be human-like, not actually, you know, of any human origin. You know, there was probably a lot of, like, searching through missing person reports. Like, you know, is some did somebody go missing for a long time that could have, you know, turned into me? Um, you know, that probably was the, the line of thinking for a while. Yeah, and I think one, at one point, you're... You know, thinking about as you're walking through, uh, you know, remembering, you know, those early interactions with Rapid Falcon as you're kind of like doing more exploring of the base and not not so much the exploring of what you've carved out in from your uh, time at the facility. It's another day where you haven't seen Falcon Girl, haven't seen Rapid Falcon. A blip comes on the computer emergency emergency the big red flashing with white light yeah the plumage on quasi's head perks straight up uh and he he goes to the terminal yeah and i think there's like underneath the uh, big emergency there's a uh, notation saying incoming message a video screen kind of flips up it's miss terry on the vi- on the video miss terry quasi quasi i i don't have i don't have much time they, Rapid Falcon is, isn't, hasn't answered me. I can't get a hold of anyone else. They're coming for me, Quasi. Where? They're taking, they're taking me to the punishment room. I, I don't know, Quasi. I'm, I'm scared. I don't know if I'm going to get to see you again. Uh, Quasi like growls in anger, um, and then says, "Quasi coming for you." Quasi, no, it's dangerous. They're trying to bait you in. I, I, just the video cuts out. That's the last sound you hear. The sound of an electronic device crunching underneath feet. Uh-huh. Um, first thing Quasi's going to do is he's just going to take off his, uh, his um, like, tracking vest, which is something probably no one else assumes that he can't even do um, by, the, by its very purpose and nature. But, like, Quasi is always un- underestimated. So I think Quasi can, um, if that's if it's tracks with you, Cliff, um, I think Quasi knows how to take off his vest. Yeah, absolutely. I Quasi, especially over the last, like, two weeks, you've had nothing to do and hardly any interaction with anyone. So if there's anything that Quasi would spend time doing, I think it would be, like questioning all the stuff around him and that includes the thing he's wearing 
I think um, not only that, not only do I think he can take it off, um, I think he's been able to puzzle out exactly what the electrical part, like the, the shocker part is. And he rips that he rips just that off and then he puts the vest back on. Uh, yeah, you effectively uh, in very much quasi fashion uh, have removed the kid glove protocol. Uh yeah so quasi will put it back on um because uh if he is able to get in communication with anybody he wants to be able to to do that Mm -hmm. um although he's not really expecting it because nobody has cared to check in on him in weeks (laughs) uh so bad such neglect (laughs) um but yeah as soon as as soon as he's done doing that i think he's going to leave and uh head in the direction of the facility yeah so i think you know it's early morning when you set out you don't really necessarily know just like on a if someone asks you you can tell them sense but you just have this feeling of like a pull towards where this facility is Quasi spends all day just like badass, like parkour, full tilt running through the woods and neighborhoods and everything. (laughs) Yeah. And I think, you know, to kind of, you know, mirror the whole, uh, your escape, how people were looking at you before in fear, the campers running away, people like swerving all over and honking their horns when people do see you just dead set on your path like you'll see like some cars pull over and kind of like honk it's like yeah quasi raptor you're the man dude (laughs) and like like kids instead of like being afraid uh they're like grabbing their mom like mommy mommy look it's the dinosaur hero i think as you know focused as you are I think what that might get through to you, like you kind of mm. like do notice that. And how does that how does that make Quasi feel? Quasi feels like he needs to strike a toy deal. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Quasi feels incredibly validated. It, it, it kind of proves to him that the stuff that he's been doing with the team has been good. Um, because like when Quasi left the facility, when he left Sync Labs, he didn't have a purpose. He didn't even know who or what he was. Um, but to find this purpose to do good, to, you know, stop bad guys um, and, and to do that with his friends um, and the fact that people love him for it is an in, in completely novel um, and validating feeling. Absolutely. Yeah. And so as you're running, that just gives you, you know, even more of a boost. So when you thought your you know, body was just kind of at its limit of going, of, you know, running, you feel like you're, you know, getting and moving faster. And uh, you arrive Quasi enters to... the speed force. <laughs> yes. <laughs> exactly. I couldn't, I couldn't not. <laughs> All right. And so... I think the next panel we see, the top corner, it says, later that evening. And it's that, you know, tropey, but still always just kind of so satisfying to see. Quasi-Raptor at the top of a hill at that 
over-the-shoulder camera view, taking a look at this facility. Mm -hmm. He has made it to the facility. All right. Um, I think the next panel is actually a shot of that same section of chain link fence, uh, now repaired, um, with some birds kind of sitting on top, silhouetted by the setting sun. Um, and then suddenly quasi comes out of nowhere and lands on the top of the fence, uh, with the sending the birds sending flying. So Quasi's now silhouetted there before he leaps the other side, now leaving the top of this fence dented in a V, um, and then hops into the facility. Yeah. And this one's definitely not in question. Uh, you know, when you were escaping, you were still coming into your not just power but consciousness really and but now you're a experienced uh you know well-versed hero who's you know knows what their limits are but still strives to push through them you land on this and jump down into the facility you see the door that you came out of unguarded and you look over and you see the door that that other person came out of. Hmm. Both unguarded? Both unguarded. Are they open, or are they just unguarded? They're, they're like, shut, but there's, like, no... There's not any kind of guards that you can see, really, anywhere around you. And that, that obviously, would be weird to me? Uh, I think it's weird, because whenever you got, like... Whenever you would, like, come out for, like... Uh, a training session outside to really kind of let loose with what you were learning. Like you're jumping. They didn't want like ceilings to be in your way or like just the width of walls due to like structural integrity reasons being hampering towards you. Uh, there would usually be at least a guard posted every like 30 or 40 feet. Not necessarily for you, though you were, you know, within their range of things to be looking out for. Mm -hmm. But, like, just, like, looking out for threats in general. Um, but, like, you see, you saw as you were coming down this hill that, like, there are, like, lights on inside through, like, the windows that you saw. So it's not giving off an impression of, like, nobody's home. Mm -hmm. It is unguarded. I'm basically what I'm asking. Does it feel intentionally unguarded? Does it feel too easy? It feels pretty easy. Yeah. Okay. Um, quasi is going to take, like he takes a couple steps towards like the door that he originally escaped from. And he's going to stop for a second. Um, he's going to lift. He's going to kind of like stand his full height and lift his sn snout up and sniff. Yeah. Uh, this sounds like you're uh, assessing the situation. Yeah. I'm mostly asking, like, I'm I'm specifically trying to smell if I smell tooth. Um, yeah. But yeah. any any uh, any clues to the situation would be helpful. Um, okay, assessing the situation. Uh, where did I put the basic moves? When you assess the situation, roll plus. A s I have my sheet here, and it's too far away to actually read it. When you assess the situation, roll plus superior. Okay. On a 10 plus, you can ask two from the list. On a seven and nine, you can ask one. Got it. Um, and uh, I do have uh, supernatural senses. Mm-hmm. 
not good. I might have to switch D6s. Uh, superior is negative one. I rolled a four, so that's three. Okay. You, like, try to smell, and you you do know that tooth scent is in the air. The problem is it's hard to pinpoint where. It smells like tooth was recently in this area, but you also get some other conflicting smells as well. The smell of... Well, you're not really sure how to parse it. It's not something that Quasi has really dealt with. Just for the listener and for you as well, Nick, um, it's the smell of, like, fresh cellophane plastic. Hmm. You also, you know, get the smell of, like, some, like, skincare lotion. A not unfamiliar smell to you. They're two distinct smells you they're they're familiar in that you've smelled them when they were uh when having been out here as well uh you can kind of remember hearing about like another training session and seeing like some divots in the ground outside you've never smelled them before actually um now that you're going in they kind of almost smell like, almost smell like Royale in a way. Hmm. Interesting. Um, all right. So, Quasi, Quasi knows this feels too easy. Um, Quasi has also been obsessively scouring his own memory of this place. Um, and etching it out on the floor of, you know, Rapid Falcon's base in the, like, training room. Um, Would he know where, like, the the punishment room is located in the layout of the building? And uh, should he go on the roof, would he be able to locate it from there? I think Quasi knows that it's very much in the center and it wasn't just like where it wasn't just like quasi having uh quasi or tooth being in there it's whatever was going on that needed punished in that facility that's where it went uh-huh. but you do know how to get there you made sure after your first time that you did not have to go there very often all right um yeah, I think Quasi's intentionally going to be trying to avoid using the most obvious route, um, which means I think he's going to get on the roof and attempt to get above that room and attempt to find a way to force his way in. Um, because Quasi is one accustomed to making his own doors. Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead and give me an Unleash Your Powers to get all the way up onto the roof, because it is a... It is a large jump. It's probably about double the size of the jump you made from the dock onto the uh, ship. Sure. Um, so unleash your powers would be... Yeah, that would be roll plus freak. I'm good at that. And I got fresh D6s that aren't going to fuck me, maybe. They fucked me. <laughs> uh, so that's a total of five because I rolled a one and a two. I'm retiring these two as well. Well, 
I will. Uh, I will say, uh, go ahead for the failures that you've had. I believe you've had three of them so far. Make sure you're uh, marking your potential. Yep. So you're trying to jump up onto the roof to, you know, avoid notice. Uh, I think well, you're n- you're definitely not taking the. Uh, obvious route, but you mistime your jump, and you end up crashing through one of the second floor windows. So, the panel <laughs> is you looking up over your shoulder, and crouching, leaping, and the panel following that, it looks like one where you're going to see a dinosaur jumping past a window. But the panel following that is a dinosaur crashing through the window <laughs> and rolling uh, onto the uh, floor. Um, it looks like you are in a uh, office. Uh, the lights were on. Nobody's inside of it. Uh, but you've just crashed through this window and landed on the desk of... Uh, whoever this person was. Uh, Quasi's going to like roll to his feet and kind of shake the broken glass out of his feathers. This will work. <laughs> uh, he says to himself and uh, he will. Uh, well, first of all, does anything interesting uh, or important look like it's in here? As you're gaining your bearings and looking around, this looks like a rather large office. You can see quite a few different pictures are hung up on the walls of it. Uh, One of them definitely catches your eye. It is a framed picture of two small uh, beings. One of them you immediately clock as Baby Quasi. Uh Uh-huh. And the other is a tiny humanoid saber-toothed tiger cub. Uh-huh. In the background behind them uh, is standing Miss Terry, and up on a stool next to her with an arm on her shoulder is a short man, not much taller than what a tiny quasi would be. Uh-huh. You know, it's a, it's a man who... Looks like he has like a rather humanoid face, but around the sides of his head and like the hair on his arms. And he looks like he had been genetically modified to be part sloth. Huh. There are similar pictures uh, on the wall. There's one that is of this strange half sloth man standing with someone who looks like they are dressed in a in a uh, royal jester's outfit Hmm. in front of them in very similar looking uniforms all with like a start slight stylization difference are four individuals in like red and black costuming and you look at it and one of them you are pretty sure is royale Hmm. It's a it's a different costume for sure, but you 
at this point would recognize that scowl anywhere. Right, right, right. Um, is this like a picture that Quasi could potentially take? Um, and just tuck in his harness, or is it like on the wall? It's on the wall, like it's like it's a framed picture, but. There's no reason why Quasi wouldn't be able to smash the glass and get the uh, picture out of there. Yeah, Quasi 100% does that. And he's yeah. just going to tuck it, like, inside of his harness. Does Quasi do that with his uh, baby picture as well? Nope. <laughs> the world doesn't need to see that. <laughs> <laughs> Last thing we needed is a tabloid getting its hands on that. Nah. <laughs> nah. <laughs> and... I think underneath where each of those pictures are, there are some small filing cabinets, like the kind that are like the two pull-out drawer size. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They both have like tasteful little flower baskets on top of them, but they're, you know, if Quasi does try them, they are locked. Uh, do I get do I get like any indication that there would be something important in these, or are they just kind of random filing cabinets? You think back to your, like, pattern recognition, and as you look at, like, different pictures on the wall, all of the pictures on the wall have a corresponding uh, filing cabinet underneath. Oh, okay, I see. Um, yeah, I think Qua- in about Quasi the same is... time Quasi takes to figure that out as you did, it's like, uh-huh. this is information. Right. Uh, yeah, Quasi is going to bust open um, the filing cabinet under his picture. Yeah, and Quasi sees his uh, favorite thing, uh, Manila folders. <laughs> he is momentarily distracted, uh, <laughs> but then will will scan scan the the contents. Yeah, so I think a quick scan of it, knowing that Miss Terry is in trouble, um, you see things. You see about like three or four different uh to what we know is like dna strands uh they're set up in varying varying different forms to quasi i don't know how familiar quasi would be with dna strands they look like falcon girl's favorite kind of macaroni noodle if i'm macaroni <laughs> and cheese i am making a canon that falcon uh-huh. girl is a macaroni and uh, spirals and cheese girl and you can't uh-huh. tell me different uh-huh <laughs> yep Elbow macaroni can go fuck itself. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Quasi, uh, quasi like knows enough that this is probably important, but doesn't know enough to actually decipher it. So he's going to tuck it into the same, you know, just sandwiched between his harness and his chest. Same place he put the, the photo. Um, and then uh, knowing this, he is going to bust open Royal Royale's cabinet as well. Uh, yeah, you bust open that cabinet, just kind of grab some files out of there. Quasi needs a briefcase. <laughs> really does. Needs to become business raptor already. <laughs> uh huh. Um. Yeah, and he's he's not even really gonna look uh look at those right now. Um, but he is going to tuck them with the other ones, and uh, head off to rescue Miss Terry. Yeah. So you are slinking along, uh, trying to keep as shadowed as a giant velociraptor can. 
And I think things are going well. You would expect there to be, like, a big show of force after something big just smashed through a clearly important office, the window of it. But uh, as you make your way through, go ahead and give me another assess the situation. Sure. Oh, why? I'm rolling like dog shit. Uh, assess the situation. Uh, you said that was superior, correct? Uh, yes, it did. That's a whopping three. Oh, my poor, sweet, scaly, feathered boy. I'm rolling so bad. Well, uh, go ahead and mark your potential. You may just end up getting I, another I, level tonight. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I'm already at four. Mm-hmm. So I think that you uh, you make it to the door without a problem. Like you make it to the door that you fo- you found a hallway that converges very close to the to the punishment room that the w- direction you knew how to get there. Mm-hmm. And it is you've not seen anybody, but as you're approaching the door, you can hear from the other side. Miss Terry's voice. You can hear. He's not gonna come here. This is this has been pointless. He he's not gonna come. He's he's not. You're you're a fool for thinking you will. Uh. You hear from another voice, one that you're not familiar with. He's coming. He's already here. And this time, we're making sure he stays. You can try. Quasi will enter. Uh, the scene that you see before you as you enter. See, the first thing you see is Miss Terry strapped to a punishment table. Right now, this punishment table is up so that Miss Terry's at like a 80 degree angle. And uh, there is a large opening in the floor in front of her. And you know that this is the punishment of the dip. From Roger Rabbit? <laughs> it is very similar. It is a... It is That's a, the only way to kill cartoons. <laughs> I know. I mean, we're in a comic, aren't we? But uh, uh, no, it's, it is... It has been lovingly nicknamed The Dip by a few smart wink-wink-nod-nod say-no-more folk. But... Uh, this, you know that this uh, punishment, it is a caustic substance that you get dipped in. It doesn't do lasting damage to the skin, but while it makes contact with it, it is incredibly painful. This punishment, you never got something this severe. You would hear howls of pain from the punishment room echoing through the halls. And the first time that you heard it, you kind of had that confused, startled, scared reaction. And that's when Miss Terry told you that that's what it was. It was the dip. The nope juice. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But next to Miss Terry controlling the table, you see an African-American man with a domino mask on, a puffy red shirt and puffy red pants that have 
white trim with like feathery trim with black flecks on them much much like you'd see on like playing cards Mm -hmm. Uh, he wears a red cape with a black inner lining with the white fluffy frill and black flecks and on his head he wears a crown Uh, it sits atop some uh, some well maintained dreads next to him is a Asian woman in a similar style garb, domino mask, at her side in a sort of holster. You can see a scepter, which you note the same uh, on his, the different style of scepter. Uh, She lacks a cape on her outfit, but it's very much the same, only in like a cross pattern. On the other side of the table from them, you see Tooth and... As you walk in, Tooth goes, So happy to have you here, brother. Glad you could make it. The feeling is not mutual. He says he, he growls at, uh, he growls in, uh, in the direction of Tooth without looking at him. Um, Quasi is just going to say, Release, Mystery. Or you all will be the ones that are extinct. Ooh, uh, that definitely sounds like you're trying to provoke them. Uh, I think in this moment that they're, uh, even though they have the upper hand, they're susceptible to your words. Uh, um, go ahead. I, I actually would argue I'm trying to intimidate them using my be the monster. Oh uh, yeah, absolutely. Go for that then. If you have that specific a specific move for that, yes. Yep. Uh, I roll plus freak better uh so that is uh eight plus two is ten awesome go ahead and read me off the uh on a uh on a ten plus uh choose one on a seven to nine choose two um so i frighten others uh okay so it's it seems like it's all down detriment stuff um i frighten others i had not intended to scare um i hurt someone or or broke something i shouldn't have um i feel like more of a monster afterwards and i mark a condition of the gm's choice uh so i only choose one of those um okay so on a hit they are thrown off and make themselves vulnerable to me or they flee um so since i got a 10 plus i only choose one um i think i frighten miss terry here yeah, and I don't know if it's your action that does it. You can see that Tooth is hesitant, but he doesn't look like... He doesn't look completely scared, but you don't see him like actively making any kind of move towards you, which, from the past interaction you had with him, you know that like if he were just in his normal state, he'd be making a move. Uh, you can visibly see the other two are nervous, but... The, the one holding onto a lever at the moment, uh, the, the African-American gentleman, uh, you see him say, you, you should have chose your words better, dino boy. And you see him crank on that lever. And I think he's also stunned because he didn't switch his hand to the release lever. So you see Miss Terry just kind of fall backwards. So... She had the double whammy of seeing you going into 
a more primal mode, but also a sudden drop that she thought was meaning she was about to go in the dip. But really, she just went back onto being a flat table. Got it. So she screams in that panel, just a giant, ah, huh, huh, huh. But it looks like the two playing card suited individuals are hesitantly looking ready to fight. Tooth, having fought you before, is ready, but he's waiting for you to make the first move. Um, Quasi is growling and kind of his eyes are shifting between the three of them. Um, he's going to take a step forward, but hesitantly and mostly just kind of gauging their reactions, um, mostly stepping towards the other two. But as he does, he's going to look over at Tooth and say, You do not have to be what they made you. You can be more like Quasi. I think that Tooth looks at you and just kind of, Why would I want to be more like Quasi? When I get everything I want here. Why do you want to be a hero, Quasi? Why do you not want to embrace who you are, Claw? Because uh, Quasi will um, hesitate for a second and think about that for just a second. And say, Claw is no one. Claw is a failed experiment. Quasi is a hero. Quasi is loved. And Quasi has friends. And raptors are pack hunters. And he's actually going to just pounce at, at <laughs> Tooth. Go ahead and make for me a directly engage. Sure thing. Um, so do I also need to roll my Call of the Wild uh, when I enter a combat against a dangerous foe? Does that apply here? Oh, so that's that's like that's like triggered after the the team move. So that may not apply. Here. Yeah, I think I think okay. Quasi is in enough of a focused state and. Mm-hmm an enlightened enough point that it won't apply here. Mm-hmm. And depending on how things go here, it may be done applying because this was, that was a move that was signifying more that quasi was still more primal beast than sapient being. Uh-huh. But quasi has definitely, you know, grown in his understanding and his controlling of himself. So, uh-huh. um, you know, he's got more more of a control over his uh, actions and abilities. Got it. Uh, so I just rolled. Uh, directly engage a threat is plus danger, correct? Uh, yep. All right. Um, <laughs> I shit you not, I just rolled two sixes, so that's a total of 14. Uh, yeah, go ahead and uh, <laughs> choose two from that list. Uh, let me find that list again. Directly engage a threat. Um, I, I, uh, I feel like he's surprised 
Um, and I, hmm. If I create an opportunity for my allies, is would that be potentially uh, in this move simultaneously create an opening for uh, Terry to at least begin to escape? Or is that not what that's for? No, I think that would uh, that would definitely, you know, be a thing that you could do. Yep. Um, I will. I'll do that then. Um, I don't care about I like I'll take the blow right now if it means that uh that I can knock uh claw on his onto his heels and simultaneously like help free uh Terry. Yeah, absolutely. Um so uh you kind of crash into you crash into tooth. And you you said you were pouncing on him, correct? Yes. So I think what happens is that Tooth is going to start getting into a big tussle with you. You're definitely tearing and ripping into him. He's ripping into you. Uh, and I think that the two of you just kind of crash into uh, the table, knocking it over onto its side. Mm-hmm. The way the table falls and lands on the control mechanisms, uh, you see that the... You don't really have time to react to it, but you see that the hand releases uh, pop off. So Miss Terry can like start trying to reach and unbuckle herself from the uh, from the table. Perfect. Uh, but uh, I think the surprise comes in when like you get you flip onto your back and Tooth is on top of you, like scratching down and just shouting like. If you're not going to join us, then you won't be leaving unless it's in a body bag. And I think you just kind of like kick up your feet and just fling him across the room. And he's kind of dazed at the moment. <laughs> after um, crashing I would like into to think computers. I would like to think he yelps like a kitten in that moment. <laughs> I have to get a screeching. uh <laughs> Sound effect to throw in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, he he growls, and uh, right now he's kind of currently dazed. Uh, I think that the move that I think what he's going to do is he's just going to kind of like slam his fist into uh, the terminals next to him. And what that manages to do, he wasn't necessarily intending this, but from the ceiling, you see a few different turret guns pop up and just kind of like start shooting across the room. What do you do? Um, I think uh, Quasi is going to uh, kind of rolling back onto his feet, I think going to just dip um, uh, just kind of juke to the one side uh kind of putting the other two individuals between him and the gunfire if that's possible i mean yeah the, you you would definitely be able to put you put them in between some of it uh because of what um also from the combat uh did you mark a condition oh uh yeah i will um that's a good point. 
I will mark angry. That fits. <laughs> yeah. So I think you put them between it. And it's not that the turrets are necessarily targeting anyone. Uh, Tooth just kind of activated them. So they're just kind of shooting at anything that's within their immediate range first. Uh-huh. Yeah, you, you can put a majority of the uh, gunfire in between them. And you see them kind of jump in between the uh, punishment table that's been turned over. Uh, Miss Terry is still actively trying to get out, but also trying to not get shot by this gunfire that's going on. Miss Terry is kind of pinned into one place, not having fully gotten themselves out of the uh, punishment table yet. Got it. I think that at this point, uh, the, the Asian woman is going to see you kind of you know, maneuver yourself to try and get them in between you and the gunfire. They're ducking down. She is going to, like, pop up from it, charge you, pulling her uh, scepter out of her uh, side holster, just kind of jump up and try and hit you with the heavy end of it. Uh, how do you react? Um, I think... Let's see... Um, I think I think Quasi's just gonna kind of dip his shoulder, uh, so that her momentum kind of takes her across his back, and then just stands just to send her fling flying, uh, end over end, uh, using her own momentum to just overshoot him. Uh, yeah, I would say unless you have a move that kind of fits more for that, uh, unleash your power since you're direct, not definitely not like directly actually no do you have your uh custom move list up uh i do this isn't really you're not really unleashing a power i think in this one uh i feel like you're more i think this is an act under pressure role act under pressure uh the label i'm going to use for this is superior because you're using your developed mind to think tactically about everything that's going on. Okay. I mean, I still have a negative one in superior. Um, it's still my worst stat. <laughs> uh, but that may change after this session. Um, all right. So act under pressure with superior. Not awful. Uh, seven. All right, on a seven to nine, I will give you a worse outcome, a price to pay, or a hard choice. Uh, give me that hard choice. I think the hard choice here is that, Quasi, you can kind of see if you dip to the, if you dip your right shoulder and head to the left, you're going to drop into the dip. If you go to the right, you're going to be out of range to stop uh, the, the African-American man from cracking into uh, Miss Terry with, the, uh, with his scepter. Really, the only ways that you could... The only thing that you could do here... You can get out of the way and avoid this blow completely. Or you can go through and try and power through this and take a powerful blow. 
but still be able to get to Miss Terry to stop that guy from getting her. Um, I'll take the powerful blow. All right, go ahead and roll plus conditions. Uh, the way you've been rolling, you want to roll low. Uh, sounds good. Uh, I'll actually grab this. Uh, so I did just take I am not my body, which means when I take a physical blow, I may roll as if I have two fewer conditions than I have marked. Boy, it's like it's like I was planning for you to take a hit and knew which uh, move you took. Uh, so I, didn't. I do only I'm have... just throwing throwing this out there. Uh, I, I do only have one, one condition currently, so I am rolling as if I have no, no conditions, correct? Yep, that would be how that works, yeah. So I'm rolling low, and I'm not adding anything. Five. So, tell me about, mark your potential. All right. Um. Yeah, so how do you, uh, withstand this blow? Uh, so you said this, uh, I'm basically going in, to some degree, going in the dip, right? If you dodge left, you're going to fall into the dip to avoid the hit from the Asian woman. If you dip right, you're going to be far out of the way to mm-hmm. too, too far out of that way to deal with uh, the guy going after Miss Terry. The option is to go straight through and take this blow and to get to her or go either direction, but be out of position to help her. Okay. Yeah, so, so okay, so I understand now. So what I chose to do was actually just take the blow. Yeah, and that's why you uh, offer. To avoid, yeah. yes, 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 yes. Got it, got it, got it. Um, yeah, so, um, yeah, so she's coming at me, and uh, she's coming down hard, and uh, I think, I think Quasi is going to... Uh, catch the blow basically in his mouth. Now that's still going to fucking hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but what it allows him to do is absorb the shock of the blow with his neck. And he's actually going to twist his neck um, to deflect the shot to the one side. Now that did probably fuck up some of his teeth um, and still hurt like a motherfucker, but he was al- allowed, it allowed him to at least control how the attack came in um, to deflect at least a brunt of it. Yeah, you definitely have some uh, shattered teeth now. Uh, And hopefully they'll be able to do something for you at home. But that's not forefront on your mind. Forefront on your mind, this other guy swinging in with his scepter, getting ready to hit Miss Terry. What do you do? Um, I I think I'm going to... uh to just barrel into him, um, basically just knocking, knocking him out of range of being able to, to do anything to her. Um, yeah, I think I, I basically deflect that blow off. I shake my head and see him doing that. And I just, you know, my legs just coil and I launch myself at him just, you know, to, to impact him. And before he's able to connect that blow. Absolutely. Go ahead and give me, um, unless you're using one of your moves, directly engage a threat. Uh, Let me double check my moves real fast. Um, Let's see. Um. And also, you can tell me, hold on a sec, Cliff. I have a level to factor in. Because those Um, do happen uh, when you get them. Instantaneously. Um, yes, but, uh, uh, I, I am going to do that, but I, I'm going to be at a more dramatic time. 
Um, uh, I still have I still have tooth to deal with. Uh, so um, I think I am uh, using be the monster here. Oh, and as a note, um, the I I do have the coming for you uh, that gives me plus one forward against tooth from mm-hmm. when he from when he gave made me angry. Yes. Um. So that just exists, but that doesn't affect anything here at the moment. Um. But uh. Yeah. I'm I'm gonna be the monster. Uh. I'm I'm basically just trying to overwhelm him. Um. Uh. To just brute force him to give up. <laughs> uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Frighten, intimidate, or cow. Uh. I think any one of those would be great in this situation. Uh, so yeah, so that, go ahead and roll. So that's going to be a seven plus two is nine. Awesome. So what do you have to? What do you get to do on a seven to nine? Uh, seven to nine. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, I'm looking at the wrong thing there. Be the monster. So. So uh, on a hit, they're thrown off and make themselves vulnerable to me, or they flee. Um, so on a seven to nine, I choose two. Um, so, uh, I, I frighten, I frighten others. I had not intended to scare. I hurt someone or break something that I shouldn't have. Um, and I feel more like a monster afterwards. Um, I think, uh, do you think it makes sense for this to continue, uh, to, to frighten Miss Terry? Cause this is now right up in her face. Um, and now I'm going to feel bad about it. Yeah. Um, I feel more like a monster now. I think this plays out just from... I think Uh, the panels are set from Miss Terry's point of view here. uh Uh-huh. And I think that she sees your feet rushing in. There's a panel of just, like, a scream. And then looking out at the feet in front of her she can see like some heavy patter of blood and then it's just Quasi's feet that are there and the panel after that is just this these big slash marks across this guy's chest that look like claw and bite marks as he's thrown into computers next to where Tooth is Mm -hmm. got it uh, I think you, the next panel is like Miss Terry, like still frantically, like getting the last of the restraints off and starting to stand up and her just looking terrified saying, quasi, you, 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 you got to get out of here. Quasi, you, you got to get out of here. This was, they were, this was a whole thing. They wanted to try and trap you. They were using me as bait. You need to leave. Um, now the, I, the me feeling more like a monster means you get to pick a condition that I take. If you don't have it marked already, I think guilty. Guilty makes sense. As I didn't have any. This, I just had angry. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, as she's saying this, you're kind of quickly putting together that if it wasn't for you being where you are, they wouldn't have gone after Miss Terry. Right. Yeah, I think he sees that, and and even in her, like, kind of sees her expression in her her panicked voice. I think his, uh, um, 
uh, his his anger. There's a there's a window in his anger where he feels that guilt, and his the plumage on his head kind of goes uh, goes flat for a second. Um, uh, and I think Quasi is going to breathing heavy, um, look at her and then look over her shoulder at uh, Tooth, and be like, "I know, but this ends here." And uh, he is uh, going to go square off against Tooth. Yeah, I think as you were looking over the shoulder, you saw you were seeing Tooth starting to get up. And as you say this ends here, Tooth is running in towards you. And he's looks like he's done trying to negotiate with you to get you to come home. He looks like he's coming in to try and deal a fatal blow what do you do uh so cliff i would like to uh to do my advancement Mm -hmm. um i am going to uh uh okay so i mutate further revealing another two abilities i can choose from any playbook um and i know exactly what these are um uh i am going to take uh, optimized biology from the harbinger playbook and i am also taking shape-shifting from the outsider playbook um as quasi raptor unlocks latent dna that were engineered into him um and i think as claw is leaping at him quasi shifts his weight and puts himself between or not claw uh shifts uh shift his weight and puts himself between um, Tooth and Miss Terry. And I think you see uh, Quasi's form begin to di- uh, like grow more dense and thicken. Um, his, his snout gets a little bit uh, more blunt and shorter and slightly beak-like. And uh, three horns grow from his face in a frill as he gains uh, temporarily just in this moment, triceratops like features. And I think he catches, uh, I think he catches tooth on his horns and just flings him off of his face into the nope juice into the dip. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Go ahead and give me a directly engage a threat. Yeah. So that's going to be plus danger. And you that's also thir- have your plus that's a thir- one. That's a 13, Clifford. Oh, 14 with that plus one. Yeah. Uh, so tell me what this looks like and uh, what uh, two you choose from the list on Directly Engage. All right. Um, uh, so I am re- resisting and avoiding their blows, and I am, um, and I am creating opportunity for my allies because I'm. I'd like to uh, make sure to ensure Miss Terry can get out at in this moment. So, um, but yeah, I think uh, I see Tooth just pouncing on me. And uh, Quasi kind of like bends his knees uh, to uh, like widens his stance. And as he does this, his actual physiology changes his his legs that thicken his his body uh, becomes more dense and stable and his face uh, kind of 
morphs into this triceratops like uh visage and i think um tooth not not seeing this coming lands uh, like even probably like partially impaling himself on these horns and I think Quasi is just going to like, because they're standing right next to the dip anyway. Um, I think Quasi is going to then uh, shift, uh, pulling him, like letting uh, Tooth's momentum carry him and uh, just fling him downwards off of Quasi's head into the pit. Yeah, you fling him off. He's, you see him like grabbing with his claws on the edge of it, trying to like scamper like a cat trying to like stay up onto a counter that is clearly not going to stay up onto mm-hmm. and he just slides in and you just hear these howls of pain just these scre- horrifying screechings from him. um then quasi standing over there is going to look at miss terry his his form is beginning to shift back to its normal like velociraptor form um and he says go now I will, I will find you. I think as you're saying go now to Miss Terry, uh, you, you've turned around and seen Miss Terry swinging the scepter that the uh, Asian woman had at the Asian woman's head, knocking her <laughs> out. Uh, <laughs> she says, I got a better idea. Let's, let's both go. They, Quasi looks th- impressed. This one was, this one was going to sneak up on you. Uh, Quasi looks impressed, and he's thank you. All right, together. Yeah, uh, I think the next scene is you standing at a table back in the base with Rapid Falcon and Miss Terry. Uh, your files are kind of spread out on this table here. See? File folders. Yeah, these are the files you got from that facility, Quasi. Uh, so. File folders contain important information. Yeah. Um, so we never really got a chance to talk about this, Quasi. So I think it's good for you and for Rapid Falcon to know as well. You, you weren't just velociraptor dna you have you have several different types of dna within you that comprise who you are now i want to make this clear before i go further you're not human you're not a velociraptor you're an entirely new species when i was Working for Dr. Sloth, and you see um, Rapid Falcon kind of perks up at this. It's like, he had an idea, but this is the first time it's really been confirmed that that's who, who Terry, that's who it was that, you know, was responsible for your creation, essentially. I started working for him because I was, I was a geneticist, and I had, I had, a young young son. He was gifted. He was he was a superpowered he was an individual. He had he had super intelligence. And 
and he got sick. Dr. Sloth said that if I came to work for him, he would help me find a way to cure my boy. Unfortunately, before we could find the cure, we, we, we found it. He, he kept his word. But it was... It was too late for, for my boy. But I kept working because Dr. Sloth did try to help me. And his project that he wanted was one that was... He wanted to create super soldiers. And he had a couple different couple different plans for that. I was in charge of genetically modified creations that were similar to how Dr. Sloth made himself. The first one we worked on was uh, your brother, as he, as he was denoted within our system, uh, Tooth. Quasi snorts. He, he couldn't be further from being your brother. It's just another one in the same program. We were working on the genetics behind both of you at the same time. I, we, I came to the conclusion that just the, the DNA that they wanted wouldn't create the sapience that Dr. Sloth desired in, within the, uh, the subjects. So, while Tooth is, you know, pure saber-tooth tiger genetics, I, I tried more things with yours. I tried mixing, I tried mixing in different, you know, DNA of other combat effective dinosaurs as that was within the brief given by Dr. Sloth. You know, I was trying to make what he asked for, but nothing was really working. Nothing was giving us the results we wanted. And it was at that point that I tried entering in to it the smallest bit of human genome. We isolated down what were the parts that were required for sapience out of the human genetic code. And so we tried it with what became tooth first. We spliced in that capacity and it was successful. We started training him and unfortunately, he while well, he's good at following orders, he's not the brightest creation. I don't know. I don't know if this was my own hubris or just wanting a little piece to move on. I took the structure from from my boy, Harry. And you're 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 not human, you're not a clone of him. But for you to have the advancements that you have had this quickly and I, I used his sequencing that's sort of the glue that's binding it together quasi nods and um, you could see him thinking and processing a process that has been getting quicker and there's a moment and he looks up at Miss Terry and he just says, thank you. 
And that's that's why when after seeing how once you and Tooth were created and the things that were being done to you and the plans they had for you, I had to get you out of there because I knew that you had so much more potential and you've done so much to prove me right. I'm so proud of you, Quasi. Quasi will put one of his big scaly feathered arms around her um, and say, Quasi owes you his life, not because you created Quasi, not because you made Quasi smart, but because you let Quasi go so that Quasi can live. And I think that is a great button for the end of the roleplay section of this podcast. <laughs> Quasi Raptor, how do you feel after that session? Uh... Quasi feels like he is um, uh, end of session. Uh, I think he is growing into his own image of himself. I think that's that's the only answer here. Yeah, definitely. Um, and and I think he's shifting his superior up. Brad, I am into that. Uh, because right now it's negative one, and it doesn't feel like it should be a negative one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's like that's what this mechanic is for. Exactly. <laughs> So uh, what's the trade-off that Quasi is going to have in this moment for that increase in his uh, superior? Um, so I just pick another one to go down? Yeah, it's always, uh, unless it's there's up, a move down. that specifically says one up, that's it. It's always one yeah. up, one down. Right. Now, here's the thing. I actually don't think um, Danger Freak or Savior make any sense to go down because Quasi isn't... Uh, he's not shunning those sides of himself. Um, I actually think Mundane is going down because uh, Quasi is comfortable being weird. You know, he isn't trying to be human. He's not trying to be normal. Um, he is comfortable being something else, something new. So I and think Mundane goes down. This is only to pop the uh, our, our lovely friend running the... Uh call recording you're not like most velociraptors <laughs> I'm not like other velociraptors but yeah that makes uh, absolute sense awesome thank you for playing with me Nick thank you for running it Cliff yeah that wraps up this issue of Cape Chronicles be sure to join us every first and third Wednesday for more exciting heroics. Cape Chronicles is brought to you through the power of Masks. Masks, a new generation, is written by Brendan Conway and is published by Magpie Games. Visit magpiegames.com for your own copy and get to create your own superhero stories in Halcyon City. For everyone here at Project Derailed, I'm your GM, Cliff, and we'll see you next time. There goes another motorcycle. <laughs>
And then Quasi rides off on a motorcycle. <laughs> Chelsea, we're going to need a cover of uh, Quasi Raptor with a motorcycle helmet on riding a motorcycle. Highway to the danger zone. Um. <laughs> Projectderailed.com